Welcome to the Truth of the Matter Is podcast. I am your host, Daniel, alongside Jonathan. This is episode number 97. Speaking on behalf of myself and Jonathan, we appreciate everyone for listening in today. Before we begin, let's give a round of applause to all who have decided to join us today. We thank you and hope that you continue to press play at your own convenience. So, damn, we're in the month of April. How do you feel? Stuffed. I just ate, so I feel stuffed. <laughs> That's mm. a good way to put it. Having a hard time breathing over there? Yeah, just want to take a nap and, um, you know, roll over. We get things for 30 minutes and come back. What about you? How I'm feeling today? Well, not yeah. hungry. I would say, though, you know, excited for the conversation today, obviously. And, you know, the weather has gotten to a point where it's, it's getting comfortable out there. So, normally, in those sort of circumstances, adjustments have to be made. And, you know, people are getting prepared to enjoy the weather and do other things and you know sundresses and shorts is gonna start being the you know clothes that people start wearing now usually a mental adjustment that comes with that you need to mentally adjust the uh sundresses Nah, you see, you're putting words inside my mouth. I'm just going, I'm only going based off what you said. I didn't say anything. I'm I'm just asking an innocent question. I do think there's adjustments of attire that you have to wear every day. But the mental adjustment, that's what, that's the real question at hand here. Yes, the mental adjustment. You have to mentally prepare yourself for that. Absolutely. Because now (laughs) you're going to start seeing people now. You know, you're going to start seeing people now. So. You know, in the wintertime, everybody's covered up with the heavy jackets and the scarves and gloves. Interesting enough, you know, this winter, we didn't really get no serious stick and snow, right? I don't even know if we touched three, four inches. Normally, we have a huge snowstorm, but that didn't happen. So, I'm actually pretty excited. And, you know, we've had cold days, but nothing that's extremely, you know, worthwhile um, talking about. I would say we hit our 30s, our 20s. I think we hit 10, maybe, or maybe 11 once. And that's it. So I'm actually pretty happy because we've had some grueling winter. So not that bad this year. Well, now, you know, the sundresses apparently are just as grueling for you. So <laughs> we'll let you make your mental adjustment by uh, getting some prayers. How does that sound? You know. You say a lot of things. <laughs> Thought, thought-provoking things. Yes, let's 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 go to something that I do know a lot about. Let's 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 go to prayer. Okay, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your love, grace, and truth. We thank you for your sacrifice and for your divine provision. Lord, as we go into your word today, bless us. Open up our hearts, our minds, our thoughts. I will understand it to the instruction of your word. Thank you for direction. Thank you for guidance from your word. We 
know that your word is inspired. And for that reason, we thank you for partner, partnering up with man for our benefit. We thank you in advance for what you are about to do for the believer and also the unbeliever. For you cause the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And you send rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And therefore, Lord, we say these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so today we get to unpack one of my favorite passages are a consistent, a consistent listener to the Truth of the Matter is podcast, you will notice that I have spoken about this passage at you know a few times in support in conjunction with other things that I have said and other references to other passages. In my opinion, it's truly one of my favorite passages because it's foundational for the believer. It's direct and straight to the point for the believer. It's powerful. And it, it packs a punch once you have understanding of it and its meaning. It's a verse that will bless you and remind you of your purpose in the kingdom of God here on earth. So with that being said, let's get right to it. So we're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew. And by the way, thank you so much for all who have listened to our eight-part series on the Sermon on the Mount, specifically the Beatitudes. I know it was a long, dragged-out process. With the inclusion of guests coming on. But you know. There are some verses that take time to unpack. And get a clear indication and understanding of it. So I appreciate. Everyone who has listened to all eight parts. And myself and Daniel hope that you've been blessed by it. So let's go to the Gospel of Matthew. As we continue in the Gospel of Matthew series. And we're going to go to chapter 5 verse 13 through 16. And we're going to look at this in the English Standard you are the salt of the earth but if salt has lost its taste how shall its saltiness be restored it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled other people's feet you are the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All right, great job, Dan. So let's think about this piece by piece as we lay down a strong foundation on how we can approach this text. But before, why is this your favorite verse? Why is this my favorite verse? Yes. Because... The whole structure of it speaks to who we are individually as believers. It also speaks to the, I would say, approach that we ought to have in who we represent and how we speak about what we represent. It's the narrative that you can control and have understanding of that doesn't allow others who lack understanding to take the bull by the horn and dictate how you should understand it. And I think it's a foundational setter of how you should go about evangelizing 
who you are in Christ without it being dictated. But instead, it's like knowing who you are and therefore implementing by knowing who you are and walking in it confidently. So this specific text, as I break down, it's going to explain that. You have to have the right temperament, is what I would say. That when you read this text and you know who you are, then how other people go about it would mean clearly they don't understand the implications of what this text is. So sometimes I think the biggest challenge for the believer is to read a text like this and find a way to apply it with integrity versus applying it with an alternative motive that's counter to what the gospel message is all about. So I think this is, a, this is Jesus putting us on notice on our value in society and what is expected of us as members of the kingdom of God. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I'm pretty sure by the end of it. By the way, I'll just ask you if you felt that the question was answered at the end. Okay. All right. No so if we think about this piece by piece and we're laying down a strong foundation, Jesus provides a provoking purpose for the believer in a deep and necessary way in terms of how he sees our value in the world. Right? He says you, meaning us as a whole of believers, are sought of the earth. Now, when you think about salt, salt does a number of things. It's a preservative in curling meat and fish. It's used to clean some of our favorite meats and fish as we soak it to get rid of the bacteria in it. It's because of this salt, bacteria cannot thrive in the presence of a high volume of salt. It's a binder and a stabilizer. What else does salt do, Daniel? Well, it helps you stay hydrated. Your body needs a delicate balance of sodium and potassium. It also promotes good vascular health. It balances your electrolytes and prevents muscle cramping. It can also support a healthy nervous system and it improves sleep. It is used in the manufacturing of soap. You can use it to melt the ice in the winter in cold countries. And another little fun fact. It is used for making chemicals like washing soda, baking soda, and of course, we use it for cooking food and seasoning food as well for cooking gas. Oh, very good. I didn't know you know that stuff, right? So just in case you didn't know, the point of salt is that it has a lot of benefits. Now, Jesus says if salt has lost its taste, so how can it be made salty if it no longer is good for anything but to be thrown out and walked on by people so i want us to be reminded of something in first john chapter 2 we're going to go back to first john there's a lot of foundational things that we discussed in first john that actually shed a lot of light so as you know one of my favorite books is first john and you'll see the comparison and the need on how it correlates with this particular verse here so we're going to go to first john chapter 2 and we're going to look at verses 15 through 17 but we're going to look at this in the new king james do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. 
and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Yeah, so as believers in this world, we are put on notice what to watch out for. The scripture does us a favor and warns us. That's the reason why we should be reading it. Instruction and advice can be very helpful, especially in your time of need. You know, God did not leave us nor forsake us. He left us with his word. Therefore, we know based on it that we cannot be products of our environment. Instead, we must be believers who can be in it, but not of it. I want to say that one more time. Add a little bit more of a twist of it. As believers in this world, we must be able to maneuver in the environment and not be a product of it. Jesus wants us to do the will of God, and one of God's will is to be sought. Therein lies what our purpose here is. Now let's take it a step further. Sought in this text means a multiple of things. It is used metaphorically. As sought, we are preserving hope in a world that law that is lost. Say that one more time. As sought, we are preserving hope in a world that's lost. Well, how can I come up with such a thought? Well, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, and it's important because it's part of the prayer that Jesus prayed for believers. So he was thinking of us present and in the future. And I want you to listen carefully to what Daniel reads here in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 6 through 28, because he addresses quite a few things that we're speaking about. In regards to how he sees us and our value in the world and who we are in this world. And therefore, I want you to listen carefully. Daniel? I have manifested your name to the people who you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do, know, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 
Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Great job, Daniel. So based upon Jesus' pray, prayer, right, as sought, we have and share something permanent, and that's his word. Peter, who is quoting Isaiah 40, chapter 8, says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 through 25 in the NLT. People are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Yeah, and I love it in the New King James Version, and I'll read it. For flesh is as grass. No glory of man as a flower of life. The grass withered, the flowers thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So as sought believers have loyalty to Jesus, durability in the word, fidelity, which is another term of faithfulness in Jesus Christ. And we're we show a level of usefulness, value, and we, we exemplify purification. And let's dig deeper, right? So it also means to have prudence. So let's define what prudence is, Daniel. The ability to govern and discipline oneself by the use of reason. Shrewdness in the management of affairs. And skill and good judgment in the use of resources. Very good. Like so as, yeah, very good. So as believers who are ambassadors and representatives of Christ, hence 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, in this world, you are being called to bring forth godly wisdom, godly discernment, and godly judgment. This is rightless judgment. We talked about this in the episode way back. I'm not going to plug it up here, but I'll repeat this again. As believers who are ambassadors and representatives, of Christ, hence Second Corinthians chapter five verse twenty. In this world, you are being called to bring forth, and this is the character of God, by the way, through how we behave and the actions that we portray, 
and the way that we speak, our attitudes, motives, and actions are supposed to be rooted in godly wisdom, godly discernment, and godly judgment. As a philosopher myself, one who studied many philosophers, Aristotle said something very profound. He said that he said this, right? At the intersection of life lies your gifts, talents, and abilities. Then there lies your purpose. As believers, we have a purpose in this society at all. Again, as ambassadors and representatives of Christ, we need to represent God by being sought in a world that needs godly guidance. When Jesus came into our world, he did a lot of things. But two purposes were highlighted in 1 John. Again, let's revisit it. Daniel? We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. And also in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says the Son of Man came to destroy the devil's work, and what Daniel read was 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. So Jesus said, if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on the people's feet. So as salt, we don't, if you don't know what your purpose is, then you're worthless. So I, wanna, I want you to ask yourself, what is your purpose in this world? Do you know it? And if you know it, how can it be used to benefit the kingdom of God? That's something I want you to consider, right? And I would say there are purposes in which that allow you to make a living. And there are purposes that allow you to help grow the kingdom in whatever capacity. For us, it's this podcast. For someone else, it's volunteering. For another, it's service. There's so many different ways. There's another that's constantly and always charity, providing charity. I will refer you back to Matthew 25. In that text, there are so many different things. And the conclusion of that is Jesus said, that if you've done any of these things to the least of these, you've done it for me. Let's address the next portion of the text. As believers, we are light of Christ to the world. Our relationship with Christ reflects that. So let's go to 1 John. Chapter 2, verse 7 through 8. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you had had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you. Because darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. So very good. So the light that is seen in you is Jesus Christ. Because of his truth, you no longer are blind. Instead, you can see. And therefore, with the truth that you have inside of you, you let that light shine before others. You know, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says something is powerful and direct. And I think I should state it. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You hear that? I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith 
and the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. I spoke earlier about the importance of being salt. I want to talk about the importance of being light. God is light because light is extremely delicate. It's pure, it's, full, it's flawless, and it's brilliant in terms of its quality. When you let your light shine before others, right, based upon the passage we read for the theme, it's obviously Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It talks about putting the light on a hill and no one covers it, right, because you can't see anything, right? So imagine having a lamp and covering the lamp is not bringing light to the room so that you're able to see things. So who's going to do that in the first place? Right. But the whole goal is you have to let your light shine before others and it points them back to Christ. That light in you shines and it shines bright. It shines so bright you expose falsehood and foolishness. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 13 says everything exposed by the light becomes visual and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. In other words, all things become visual when they are exposed by the light of God's precepts, which are his orders. Remember, the Bible is full of patterns, principles, and precepts. For it is light that makes everything visual in darkness, especially when you're dealing with folly. God's light represents truth, and truth is a standard of perfection. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, me personally, I always ask myself, why didn't the darkness comprehend the light? Then I said to myself, well, the absence of light is darkness. Therefore, there is no absence of darkness because there is already nothingness. Same passage, right? And looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 5. When you read it in the New King James Version, it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So what can I conclude? I can conclude that light is greater than darkness because when you think about truth and you think about falsehood and lies, the only way that the lie exists because it's attached to something that's realistic and that's the truth. When the truth, which is in comparison to the light, is present and fully blown, then the lie is gone. And so is the darkness and any evidence of it. When it comes to understanding what truth is, we must know that truth always existed in the life and person of Jesus Christ. That's why he, he calls himself the way, the truth, and the life in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6. As believers in this world, the light we preserve is we preserve the morality and the integrity of the world by being salt. That's what we do. Just like salt preserves meat, we preserve light and we also preserve any good that exists because of the reflection and relationship that we have instilled in the life and person of jesus christ it's a, good, it's a huge responsibility you think about it in genesis chapter 1 verse 3 through 4 it says and god said let there be light and there was light and god saw that the light was good and god separated the light from the darkness Based upon this passage, there's an obvious distinction, right? Now, if we go back to 1 John chapter 2, because I know Daniel stopped at, I believe, verse 7 or 8, we're going to read verse 9 through 11. And, and I think 
it's very profound the explanation that we have and the difference between light and darkness as it relates to the individual. Daniel? Yeah, I'll just, just read the whole thing for context. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you had had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. Yeah, I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So I love this passage because... We learned that part of being in the light is exercising love. We learned that being in the light guarantees direction, while being in the darkness means you are lost because you cannot see. There is no sense of direction in darkness. As children of light, part of being in the light is leading. And part of leading comes from the source of proper influence. That leads us to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Beautiful. So what allows us to lead correctly and profoundly is our relationship and association with God. As believers, we are children of the light. Unfortunately, there is a right way and a wrong way. And unfortunately, there is no way in between. You have light, you have darkness. If you elect to be children of the light, that comes with a desire to seek truth. And that's the life and person of Jesus Christ. So last passage of the day, Daniel. I'll actually, uh, let me tell you what the passage is. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 1 through 6 in the English Standard Version. Very powerful passage here, Daniel. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God... We do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to be tampered with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, he has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Well read. Well read. Very powerful verse here. So we conclude with this. 
as salt and light in this world. Don't take it lightly. Because people are watching. And for their own integrity of yourself. Right? You live a life of trying to validate and trying to do things that are right. Stand for what you believe on. Let it be a conviction and not a preference. I believe God purposely. I believe he purposely didn't lead us in this world on purpose. I believe God didn't remove us out of this world, but kept us in it because the world needs hope. And we are the hope in a world that is lost and that's full of darkness. When you think about it, God's plan is remarkable and actually brilliant. When you unpack it, there's levels of intellect that get you to preview what else God has to say when you study God's word. So just be mindful and understanding that we are part of God's plan. The process that it takes, time that it takes, we're all part of it. And therefore, if you're part of it, it means you matter. It means that you being created in the image of God, the Imago Dei, you have purpose. And just don't forget what your purpose is. Embrace it, understand it, and live it to the best of your ability. Live a life worthy of what you're calling. Find it, thrive in it. Dan, you have any last words before we go into devotional? All right. No, but I think today's devotion will sum up uh, exactly what the whole message is about. So, Okay, Daniel, take it away. So the purpose of faith is not to change God's will, but to empower us to act on God's will. As salt and light in this world, we have a responsibility to represent God in the right way. What's the right way, you might ask? Well, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Let your speech at all times be courageous and pleasant. Let me say that one more time. Let your speech at all times be gracious and pleasant. Or a better way to say it would be seasoned with salt. For graciousness is courteous, it's kind. And it's also another way of saying pleasant. So know this, that you will know how to answer each one who questions you. For in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5 through 8 says, For you are all children of the light and of the day, and we don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wear our helmets, the confidence of our salvation. God, thank you for your word, because in it I find direction. I find comfort and a promise, and because of that I can trust you and have faith that everything will work out the way it's supposed to. And therefore, I can also Bring that to others because you have made it and entrusted it within me. So allow me to bring it out to others. Allow me to be a proper representation of you. Allow me 
to empower others and be salt and light in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.